Yo, yo, what up everyone? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life? You're about to access a roadmap specifically designed for people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to create a life filled with happiness, success, and a deep sense of purpose, while simultaneously dealing with the challenges of today. This interview is with Jeff Klein. Jeff is a trustee and member of the Executive Committee of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated. He's authored the award-winning book, Working for Good, Making a Difference While Making a Living, and the newly released book, It's Just Good Business, The Emergence of Conscious Capitalism and the Practice of Working for Good. If you're like me, you may get the feeling that there's something profoundly wrong with the way big business and corporate interests operate. Kind of like all they care about is making quick cash, even if they have to, metaphorically, club some baby seals in the process. Business never really sat right with me until I learned about the philosophy of conscious capitalism. In this interview, we're going to dive deep into the four elements of conscious capitalism and why you should care about them. We're going to talk about how we can go about finding careers and companies that embrace this awesome philosophy and how we can start to look at work through the framework of being something that's as fun and fulfilling as play. Jeff, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Jacob, it is a total pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Well, I am thrilled to connect with you. I'm thrilled to touch on some of the topics of conversation that I'm anticipating diving deeply into. And I would love to start this communication by introducing you a little bit more to the people who are listening. And I think a really cool way to do that would be if we could, you know, top in the DeLorean, go back in time, and perhaps you could share a little bit about your story and uh, some of the challenges that you faced as a young adult and how they led you to be where you are now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, back, to the, back to the future and, uh, you know, forward to the past. Um, I, I was recently reflecting on this. People asked me, you know, how did you get to be where you are? And I, I, I stopped for a second and I went, you know, it was over 30 years ago. I'm giving my age away here. Um, I'm the, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a 54-year-old who probably acts like a 14-year-old because I have a 14-year-old daughter. I'm a single dad, so I hang out with 14-year-olds, mostly 14-year-old girls, and uh, I won't say, you know, what all that entails, but... Uh, um, so I, so somebody asked you, how did you know? Gosh, how, how did you get to be where you are right now? You know, I, I'm deeply involved in conscious capitalism. I've written two books. You know, Working for Good. It's just good business. I do the radio program. It's just good business. All around work and business as a path for personal learning, growth, and development, and about fostering business as a force for good, you know, for social good. And, and you know, everything I do has to do with that. And I, I, I thought back to, wow, you know, I was probably 18, 19 years old and just, I guess you could say, had this call, right, this calling. And this is before your time, but in the 60s, Bill Cosby he had a, uh, Bill Cosby was hilarious, and he did this um, one recording called Noah's Ark. And Noah's this carpenter, right? And he's in his workshop, and he's sawing, you know, he's sawing and hammering away. And this voice comes and goes, Noah. You know, Noah goes, what? Wait, 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 what's going? Who's that? Noah, this is the Lord. And you know, Noah goes, right. 
who is this really, right? And it goes on, and then, you know, the Lord asks him to build an ark, right? And he goes, right, what's an ark, right? And the story goes on, and, you know, ultimately it ends with thunder, you know, and rain coming down. Um, so it was kind of that, you know, you get this call for wherever it comes from, inside, outside, and goes, you know, you know your, your job is to, first of all, I always love to work. Just work for me is such an incredible, powerful, creative expression and, you know, manifesting things through your energy and your hands and your mind and all that. And, you know, so work has always been a place of learning, growth, and development. So I got, okay, you know, work is your path, you know, your spiritual path. Okay, great. I got, I got I'm down for that, you know, at, you know, 18, 19, whatever, whatever that means. And then, you know, and your job is really to facilitate, foster business as a force for you know, force for good. It's like, okay, <laughs> and and where do you? What's the job description? And where do you go? You know, what do you do with that? And so, um, you know, I spent essentially, you know, thirty plus years, you know, traveling on the road of, you know, following that call, not knowing, you know, there are no road signs, right? <laughs> You know, certainly back in the early 80s, you know, there were little signs, but there were no big signs going, go this way, right? So um, I spent a lot of time, you know, doing different things, building companies, transforming companies, you know, working with other people, and, you know, falling on my face a thousand times, you know, banging into walls, and, you know, always... There, you know, a, a teacher would show up, or I would have an insight that would, you know, keep me. And I always got up, right? I always got up because as long as you get up, you know, the game's not over. Um, and so that's the, you know, that's kind of the big story without the details. And I'm happy to fill in some details if if those would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, you said something really interesting, and it's that you kind of viewed work as something that was this calling for you. And I think that there's something about the word work that can leave a lot of people just feeling like it's 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 work, it's a chore, it's a task, it's something that we need to do that is not necessarily always pleasurable. And um, I'd love to go deeper into conscious capitalism, but so we can do that now. But the thing that really is coming up. First, before we even dive in there, is just, and maybe it leads in there, but is this framework of looking at work as something more than um, just what most people view it as, which probably one is a, uh, some type of you know laborious task that needs to get done, um, and oftentimes isn't fun. You know, it's not something like I, I just get the feeling that I know I was brought up in a household where where work meant you know, breaking a sweat and not necessarily to do something that you wanted to do was to break a sweat so that you could feed, feed the family. Um, so what are some of the mindsets do you think that, you know, the younger generation, my generation, people listening to this call, what kind of mindsets can we adapt that help us look at work as something more than this traditional um, just slaving over, you know, something that maybe isn't very meaningful to us or isn't very enjoyable for us? Yeah, th th that's awesome, uh, Jacob. And first, I got to admit, I like sweating. So breaking a sweat, <laughs> like, all right, I get to sweat. Um, so I, uh, there are a couple ways I'm going to answer this. And first, again, just in in working for good, I start the book with two quotes from Khalil Gibran, and I'm going to read them. The first one is is really short, which is, "Work is love made visible." All right. So that's one. 
you know, one perspective, recognizing that work is an expression of our life force, right? It's an expression of our creativity. It's an expression of our capacity. It's our, an expression of us engaging with the world and with other people with a purpose, right, to, to do something, even if it's, you know, build a wall or make a widget or create a service. You know, you're doing something. And in that process of engaging with the world from the inside, from your energy, from your creativity, from your, you know, productivity, something happens, right? And, and if, you, if, it's, if it's coming from this, this deep place of purpose, it's, it is love made visible, right? It's your love of life, your love of humanity, your love of yourself. It's, it's an expression of that. So, and here's a slightly longer quote, which is more uh, artistic, but I, I think re relevant here. Always you have been told that work is a curse and labor a misfortune. But I say to you that when you work, you fulfill a part of Earth's furthest dream, assigned to you when that dream was born. And in keeping yourself with labor, you are in truth loving life. And to love life through labor is to be intimate with life's inmost secret. Hmm. And, and that's wow. to that point of the calling. You know, who knows, you know, how these things, you know, happen, right? I mean, you, you get a bunch of inputs throughout your life. You've got your cultural context, you know, your family, uh, your own life experiences which inform you. And, you know, the extent to which you ask questions like, why am I here and what am I supposed to do? Um, mm -hmm. your, you know, your organism out, you know, your organism processes it all and comes up with, an answer, right? and it comes up yep. with lots of answers, you know, lots of answers which take us left, right, up, down. But there's a, you know, a deeper one. And yes, maybe there's some cosmic force that's, you know, planting a seed in you, or maybe not. Either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but we do have this experience of sensing that there's some deep underlying, you know, animating force, and call it purpose. Uh, you know, you call it soul, whatever you want to call it. And that thing, when we tune into that and align with that, you know, oceans part. Now, mind you, it, it takes you on journeys that you may, if you knew what you were signing up for, you may never have signed up for it. But, <laughs> but when you look back, or you were, I am, I'm 54 now, and I look at where I am, and I went, man, I wouldn't trade in any cliff I fell off of you know, any puddle of mud I fell into, it just, it's all part of an incredibly rich journey. And then, you know, you look back, and I remember Steve Jobs, a quote he said, you know, you know, along the way you don't know, but when you look back, it all makes sense, you know, something like that. And it's not an exact quote. And it's true. You can see, like, wow, I had to go through that hellacious period because what I learned is, um, you know, has informed who I am and how I, orient and relate and has given me, you know, the skills and perspective that I have now. So, um, you know, work is, uh, coming back around to your question, you know, work is showing up for life is, is, uh, is, is you know, the short answer. Yeah, there's something that's so interesting about the paradox of uncertainty where on one hand, it just scares the crap out of us, and uh, it, it can be totally terrifying to step into uncertainty, to move away from the culture that you were 
uh, raised in or the friends that you grew up with or the certain way of doing things that you know to be true early on in life and, and to say, you know what, I have this calling that, that you were kind of describing some inner truth and you tune in and you, and you align with that. Um, and that can be a very uh, spiritual thing or it can be just the intuitive thing. Um, but like what I found is that it's such a, it's so paradoxical because when I go into that uncertainty, when I go into that trusting that there is a deeper reason for me, um, to go in this direction and kind of move through my fears, that's when the incredible opportunities present themselves. That's when I think I couldn't have possibly imagined, like just really quick, if I think back three years ago, I, I was working in a, um, society, society said I was working in a job that was very successful for a 24 year old at the time, but I was miserable and I knew something had to change. And I had, Jeff, I didn't know what conscious capitalism was. I didn't know what positive psychology was. I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything, you know, and I just said, I got to do, I got to do something. And, uh, and it's led me to, I mean, on 14 possible places, here I am, I'm, I'm hosting this conference, I get to talk to you, I get to talk to some of the world's leading thinkers about how I can help other people also navigate similar challenges that just wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't stepped into that uh, paradox of uncertainty. Um, so as you're, as you're talking about it, I'm just reflecting over here, and it just rings so deeply true for me. That's beautiful. Jacob and I, I uh, if I were wearing my hat right now, I would tip it. I would take it off. <laughs> Just like way to go, dude. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a couple things come up when you talk about the paradox of uncertainty in this journey. You know, one is it's like a flame, right? You know, the, a flame is so attractive, right? You're just so drawn to it, and and yet it, it right, it can burn you, um, but it mm -hmm. can also illuminate the path for you. So it's that edge. And the other thing that comes up is, is uh, you know, Joseph Campbell's uh, insights into the hero's journey, the hero's journey being a story that seems to show up in pretty much every culture in the world. Um, you're familiar with, with that? Yes, yes. So the, the hero's journey has, you know, depending upon how you read it, it's got a four or more steps. So the four basic steps are the call, right? The hero, and we're all heroes in some respect. You hear a call. And it, it takes you to an edge, right? It takes you to the edge of a cliff. You don't know what, where, where it's going to lead. But there's something inside that just says, I must, you know, take the step. And then when you step off the cliff, you fall, right? <laughs> you know? and they, the, I mean, it's just the laws of nature, right? Gravity. Um, and, it's, you know, that's the descent and where you're falling and you're going, oh, my God, that was the stupidest thing in the whole world. How could I even ever have thought of doing that? please take me back up to the top of the cliff. And, of course, you can't go back to the top of the cliff because you're falling and gravity is pulling <laughs> you down. And then you land, and, you know, you don't land on a feather bed, right? You, you land in, and he referred to it as the, you know, the underworld, the journey, you know, the, the travels through the underworld. And this is the place where you face dragons and demons and, you know, dark shadows and, you know, all the scary stuff and, you know, all the stuff of your psyche and, and actual, you know, the real experiences in the world where, you know, people with situations are beyond your current capacity to deal with them. But as you're journeying through there and dealing with all this, you know, challenging stuff, invariably allies appear. <clears throat> Excuse me. Allies appear. And allies appear in, you know, many forms. It may be a piece of information. It may be a person. It may be a group. They show up and they give you exactly what you need, you know, whether it's love and support or a piece of information or a skill 
that facilitate your movement through whatever you're, you know, whatever eddy you're stuck in down there in the underworld, and then eventually you find the jewel, right? You find the thing, the one specific thing. And mind you, you've gotten all these skills and relationships and things that have shown up along the way, which you carry with you. But there's one particular gem that you were, you may not know that you were searching for or was waiting for you, and mm. you find that. And then after that, you, you, you return. You return back to the community that you left. Not the same person, obviously, because you now have a whole range of experience and insights and skills that you didn't have before. And you come back ready to bring you know, greater, higher level of service and value to the community. Now, mind you, that's not a one-time journey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, oh, good, I've done my hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, good, it's going to be a coast from here. You know, invariably, if you're, you know, if, if uh, you're paying attention and you're engaged with life, you know, it's going to happen more than once. And, um, and then you understand, oh, here we go again, right? Um, so anyway, that, that's, uh, that's, that's what you're, you know, part of what you're talking about. And, and it's a, you know, it's an incredible process. I'll say one thing, you know, there, and, and sometimes it's more difficult than others. And certainly when, I think when you're younger and have less experience, and, and to some extent, you're, you know, less experienced, less skilled. Your nervous system, you know, isn't as de developed. It doesn't know that you're not going to die, you know, as you go through this stuff. <laughs> as, you, as you live through more and more, you know, real, what you'd say are, you know, really threatening, challenging situations, and you realize, oh, okay, this is the process, and then you learn and you figure it out and you, you know, grow and you get what you need and, you, you know, you're stronger and wiser and whatever – doesn't mean you're not going to get hit by a truck, but you realize that you know what, you know what, I, I, I can, you know, I can survive this, and I can survive pretty much anything. And then, it, you know, the journeys maybe get shorter and shorter. The lessons come quicker. Um, you have, you know, a, a bigger palette of responses and tools and things. So, the, the, it, it, the only difference as you, you know, kind of get older is that you just have a perspective on it because you've been through it. But I, I, it, really, it really is so rich and so rewarding, even though it might be scary as hell and painful and all those things, it's so worth it. As you, as you referred to, Jacob, you know, being in the position you were before and, you know, status and money and all that, it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, how's, and how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that you could still get hit by that truck, which, I mean, we could get hit by the truck no matter what path we're on. So it, it can be a refreshing awakening each day to just remember, hey, this could be it. You know, is this how I want to spend that day? Um, so it's kind of thinking back to thinking back to that point in my life when I when – I, uh, I was in that place of confusion and it was, it was a little bit more, uh, you know, I'm painting a prettier picture here when I label it confusion. It was actually a, a really rough time for me. And one of the things I think from a really intuitive standpoint and a sense that I somewhat consciously but also unconsciously had was that there's just something really wrong with the way that the world works. And, um, and I mean that uh, in the sense of, kind of the systems, the, the bureaucracy, a lot of the politics, a lot of the um, big corporations that I felt like just didn't have a, a sense of, um, of values. And it's, 
it's another paradox because on one hand I'm super privileged. You know, I, I live in New York. I have access to, you know, food, water, community, um, health, security, all these things. And on the other hand, um, if I'm not really conscious of it, like Polar says, uh, you know, being healthy is a revolutionary act. And, and a lot of my environment is killing me slowly. And so one of the, one of the things that really just kind of put me off and gave cat- uh, capitalism a bad image for me was the idea that it, it felt like these mass media um, corporations and, and, you know, giant entities were just promoting this lack of self-acceptance for myself with the messages that they were sending me. And it just felt like all the marketing that they did was about, you know, telling me I wasn't good enough so that I could go out there and buy their product and uh, improve my worth and fix myself. And the system just gave me a really bad taste for business. Um, And so what I love about conscious capitalism is it seems to answer some of these problems. So I would love if you could, for the, you know, for the people who are listening who might not have any idea at all what conscious capitalism is, I'd love if you could explain a little bit about what it is and kind of what role it can serve in, um, in answering some of these challenges that, that I think we're facing. Right. Are you okay if I, if I do one other thing before, before I go there? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to just complete, add a little bit to where we were before, and then I'm happy to dive deeply into conscious capitalism. Right on. Excuse me. Uh, so two things. You know, one thing uh, that I know, and mind you, I've been purposely aspiring to this for literally decades, um, you know, as I really did take my, the path that, you know, work is a path of learning, growth, and development, and expression, and all this. And uh, also that business is, uh, you know, an op- a platform for, you know, really doing good is cultivating a, a space, a relationship to work and business that was not uh, alienated from life, but that it was deeply integrated into life and that, there, you know, there's really no different. It's just, okay, now I'm using my productive, creative life force energy you know, building and engaging with others, doing something, and now I'm playing. And uh, really, I, I, you know, last night, actually, my daughter came in. She went to a, a late movie. She came in at about midnight, and I was at my desk and working, you know. And, and she said to me, she said, Dad, I don't know how you do it. I, I can't imagine, you know, like you stand, I stand at my desk. I don't sit, right? like you can do this all day and never get tired right? <laughs> and, and like enjoy it it's like I don't know how you do it I can't imagine and but the, the point is I mean literally I started at five in the morning I finished at 1230 I don't normally you know go that long but uh, it's you know if it's something that you're passionate about if it's connected to your purpose if you're working with people you respect and care about if you're supporting each other to learn and develop and you're building businesses, organizations that really serve, or at least you feel serve, it, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable the energy you have and the flow. It's not, you talk about sweating, it's like there's no effort in a certain respect. Um, and mind you, you know, different times in my life, and even now, you know, when I'm in the middle of a, you know, intense time in a production or something, I might have to spend a couple weeks, like, sweating, working really hard, <laughs> But that's, you know, okay, cool. You know, that's why you're training. That's why you practice. That's why you, you do it because it's, you know, it's showtime. But, uh, it, you know, it doesn't make it unenjoy. It doesn't make it a, a chore. It just means, wow, you know, now it's really calling up all the resources. So I wanted to just 
you know, reflect that. And the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, talking about going through these passages, you know, in the underworld and challenges. About two years ago, I had a really intense, call it dark night of the soul or crisis, um, where a bunch of stuff just kind of came cr- crumbling in. And, it, I mean, it was really intense and really challenging, and it lasted for a couple months. And uh, I, ha- I had so much experience and skills to draw on that, you know, okay, I was in pain. It was dark, but I showed up every day, and people around me didn't even know I was going through it. I was delivering. I was, you know, present, and I was in agony. <laughs> so, uh, you know, your internal experience and how you, you know, can show up don't necessarily need to match on. And, and you can also, it really helps if there are people that you can share your challenges and your trials and tribulations with who can, you know, provide you with guidance and support. Um, so I just wanted to share that. It's like, you know, and I, I remember, you know, uh, John Mackey, now co-CEO, was CEO of Whole Foods during a crisis time a few years ago when the FTC and the SEC were, you know, after Whole Foods and him. And, you know, he went through a really, really intense time. I saw him, you know, in the middle of it. And now, you know, coming through it, just, again, recognize that how much stronger and clearer and, you know, fuller you are when you go through those things, even in your 50s or 60s or whatever. Um, so it's a, yeah. the journey doesn't stop. It, it, it just becomes, you know, more of, of the opportunities to grow and develop and, um, you know, show up. So th- that, that's all I wanted to say. Do you want to say anything before I dive into conscious capitalism? Um, just amen, brother. Right on. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm hearing the wisdom, and this is this is what I'm really excited to is, is help be the bridge for wisdom that you have that you've accumulated over these five and a half decades of your life, and and you know help the younger generation, help my my peeps, my generation realize that the challenges that we're going through, one are are normal, and a lot more people are going through the challenges than we think, and we can we can talk about them openly and find camaraderie and support around them. And that too is that we, we get to we get to benefit from these challenges if we let ourselves benefit if we do the work to figure out how we can benefit from them. So just amen. And uh, if you want to say anything on that, cool. If not, happy to transition into conscious yeah. capitalism. Yeah. Okay. Great. So here's what I want to say. <laughs> Since you're asking <laughs> for me to share my experience and my insights, I, I'm going to say that the, the most important thing that any you know, young entrepreneur or social entrepreneur, change agent or aspiring, you know, change agent or whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. Number one is take care of yourself, is don't deprive yourself. Take care of your physical being, your body, you know, eat well, exercise, drink water, be there, get out in nature, play. Just you, if you don't take care of yourself, I mean, the, you know, the, the you got to put your your own face mask, your own you know uh, mask on before you help the passenger sitting next to you, right? You know, or the Buddha said, you know, I've traveled the whole universe and I found no one more worthy of my love than myself. The point being is, if you can't really, if you can't take care of yourself, if you don't take care of yourself, one, it's not sustainable. You're going to crash, and two, you can't really care for others and love others. If you don't have, if you don't start with a foundation of self care and self love, so that's really number one, and I can't say it enough. Um, and that doesn't mean be narcissistic, be self centered. It means just take care of yourself, love yourself, 
and and if you note that you're not, you know, pay attention to it and find ways to cultivate that. I'll I'll, I'll reveal something to you is I'm I started surfing uh, two years ago. I started surfing and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu two years ago at 52, and uh, last year I I was really deeply into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean. I don't want to tell you all the injuries I got this year. <laughs> I, I actually, in, a, in less than a year and a half, I got a, I got my blue belt, which was the only time I, you know, really cared about a belt in a martial art. It was, it was Congrats. very meaningful. Thank you. Yeah, it was a very meaningful experience. And, and then I started surfing because I'd been body surfing. And I, anyway, I just realized that hey, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I had, I had two goals this year. One was to get my blue belt, which I did, and the other one was to become a decent surfer. And in the last few weeks, I have no question, you know, saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm a decent surfer. So I go out, and the, the point, the reason I brought that up is last year and much of this year, I, spent, I went to, my lunch was an hour and a half of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the middle of the day, right? <laughs> and now I'm going surfing almost every day, you know, 20, 25, 20 minutes back and forth and an hour, hour and a half in the water. And that time, right, that time that I take to take care of myself, to do something that I love and I'm passionate about, to be out in nature, to be with other people, is so enriching and nourishing that I have two days. Like I start at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, go to 11.30, you know, when I'm doing jiu-jitsu or later if I'm surfing, depending upon the, the, the surf. And then I'm done, and then I work from then until, you know, 11 at night or whatever. So I have two full days, essentially, because I do something that I totally love, that totally engages me with my body, that feeds me, and they're both very much learning through your body. And that's another thing. I, I The extent to which people recognize that they learn through their body, do something with your body that really supports you to learn because it helps when you come back to the, you know, the meetings and the work and all that, you, you, you just built, your whole organism is geared to learning and connecting. And so that, that's the, if there's one single thing that I could recommend, it's that. It's find your, your passions outside of standing at your, you know, doing the work and and go for it and go for it with gusto and take care of yourself. So before you, you before you that? yeah before you continue on, I felt like I just needed to point this out, which is that we we started about talking about business and um, you, you said hey for the entrepreneurs and the change agents and the people who are really focused on you know engaging in that level of your in, in that area of your life. And what you just talked about was uh, surfing and jujitsu. And you said that that is the number one thing, right? Kind of taking care of your body, doing things like surfing and jujitsu is the number one thing that you can do. Self-acceptance, self-love um, is where we have to start in order to actually go out and be more successful in business, which is just a profound uh, piece of wisdom to share. Thank you. Uh, try it out, I, I, you know, and uh, uh, let me know how it works for you, but it sure works for me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying it. Cool. <laughs> so on that note, conscious capitalism, and I actually think that's a really good place to, to lead into conscious capitalism. You know, one is recognizing that capitalism, and Ed Freeman is a academic, a brilliant guy, a fellow director of Conscious Capitalism, Inc., he makes the following observation about capitalism. Capitalism is the most successful form of human social cooperation ever created. 
Right? If you think about it, right, you've got 7 billion people on the planet. Most of them are connected in some way to local, regional, national, or global economic system where there is exchange going on between individuals, groups, or you know, etc., facilitated by this global system. And it's a system that's emerged over five, ten thousand years, right? You could say, oh, capitalism has been around since the Industrial Revolution. No, think about it. It, it really started when somebody first saved seeds, right? They went, oh, wait a second. If we save seeds, capital, right? Then we plant them next spring, right? Well, we know where the food's going to be, right? We don't have to go, you know, running around trying to find it. And then if we, you know, start, if we save more of them, well, one, we've got some food over the winter and two, you know, or whatever, you know, and we've got more stock, you know, seeds that we can invest, plant, et cetera. And, it, you know, and when people started trading and went, wow, you know, wow, you've got lots of seeds. You're really good at, uh, you know, at, uh, uh, you know, with the animals. How about if, you know, you want to drive the, you know, the cart that carries the, the, the seeds and I'll, you know, I'll plant and pick them, you know, that great, and I'll give you some seeds and I'll do the work. You know, you start having exchange between individuals and groups. And so you can say capitalism is, a, is a, an expression of human social and cultural evolution that facilitates cooperation, right? At, at its core, at its root, that's what it's about. You could say that, and there's a great uh, essay written in the 30s or 40s called I Pencil that people may want to you know, Google and check out, which shows all, everything that goes into creating a number two lead pencil, right? From rubber plantations in Indonesia and you know, copper mines in, in Bolivia and you know, tree, you know, forests in Canada, you know, and all of the people involved in the process stand up with a little pencil, right? So if you think about it, it's just an extraordinary system of cooperation that has emerged through the you know, human social evolution. So that's, that's the first thing, is recognizing at the root of it all, at the root of it all is human beings working together to provide themselves and each other with the things that we need and want to survive and propagate and flourish, right? Because at the root mm -hmm. of being human is a call it a biological drive to survive and then to survive over time or propagate, you know, kids and et cetera, and then also to experience pleasure rather than pain or to flourish. So business at, at its core is, 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 a, is part of the system of human social cooperation where people get together with a purpose to do something for themselves, right, taking care of themselves, taking care of their families, take care of each other, the group that they're in, and then providing some sort of service or product or value for the broader community in an, in an exchange. Like, oh, well, yeah, we like this food or we like this widget or we like this thing that you're making or this service you're providing, and we'll give you some of what we got in exchange for what you got, and we're all satisfying our needs, we're surviving, we're propagating, and we're flourishing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what it is at its core. I'll take a pause here, and then I'll get into the principles of conscious capitalism. You want to say anything to that? Keep going, brother. All right. <laughs> I just want to make sure I don't you know, <laughs> go on a monologue here. So with that foundation, 
uh, you know, we, the conscious capitalism community, and, and there's a nonprofit called Conscious Capitalism Incorporated, you know, which I'm deeply involved in and was really activated by John Mackey and Michael Strong and others. And we, we have uh, a board of about 16 or 18 with Kip Kendall from the Container Store. And Doug Rao, former president of Trader Joe's, is our CEO. Mm. You know, just great, great people. And we have a quickly expanding community of chapters around the country and around the world. And we have an annual CEO summit. Uh, in October this year, what, you know, went from 115 to 161 uh, participants sold out, waiting list, and all that. And in the spring, we're doing our first, you know, major event with, uh, you know, a couple thousand people in the audience, and then live webcast. So, you know, stay tuned for that April 5th uh, web uh, webcast on conscious capitalism event. And then, uh, uh, so that so there's this, you know. Quick, vastly growing community. Anyway, that's the we that have articulated four principles, and these four principles, you know, come out of recognizing, you know, observing. Okay, what what is it about these companies? What is it about Whole Foods and the Container Store and Southwest Airlines and Patagonia, you know, that really makes you know makes them different, and why you know why is it that they work the way they work, etc. So the four principles of conscious capitalism, and they're really principles of conscious business, right? They're, they're the principles of conscious capitalism as they're applied on the level of the firm or, or a business or, or an organization it can be a nonprofit or even a, you know, an agency. So they are first, higher purpose, recognizing that a business or organization has a purpose beyond just financial, just return on investment. Second, is a stakeholder orientation. So recognizing, again, that a business or an organization does not exist just to serve its investors or its owners, but really as part of an interconnected ecosystem and that it serves all of the kind of constituents or stakeholders in that ecosystem. And third, that to do this requires conscious leadership, leaders who recognize that the organization exists for a higher purpose and to create value for its stakeholders. And fourth, a conscious culture, which is one of the things that a conscious leader cultivates, which is a system of values and ethics and service, again, to that higher purpose and to the stakeholder ecosystem. So I'll go into each one just a little bit more. Uh, and this is an interdependent, right? These are four interrelated elements, and you can't really pull them apart but you can identify their different kind of facets of the, of the whole thing. So higher purpose, again, Ed Freeman uh, has a great uh, analogy. He said, you know, a human being has to produce red blood cells to survive, but that doesn't mean that the purpose of a human being is to produce red blood cells, right? Hmm. So you take that and say, well, yeah, a business has to generate profits to survive over time, but that doesn't mean it's its purpose. Right. You know, so, yeah, that's incredible. Isn't that a great? I, I just that says it all, right? So that, that, that does. Yeah. It needs to more. <laughs> yeah. Any time I describe conscious capitalism to somebody, that is the exact analogy that I use. I absolutely love that. And if you think about it, that, well, the other thing about it is, and you talked about this, before, you know, at the very beginning, is that when you have a purpose 
it just energizes, it animates, it attracts, it connects. I mean, the purpose is like a, you know, is like air. It it it, bring, it brings life, you know, into an organ organism or an organization, and it you know connects the the stakeholders. It can, it inspires people. It animates people. So it's a really powerful force. Then leading right into that is the stakeholder orientation. And the point is, if you think about it, right? You've got employees or team members, if you want to call, depends what you call them. You've got customers. You've got your vendors, suppliers. You've got your distribution chain, etc. You have your investors. You have the communities that you're doing business in. You have the natural ecosystems, right? The air, the water, the resources. So think about it, right? If any one of those ceases to exist and, and ceases to exist in a healthy enough form that they can you know, bring value to your organization, is there a business? Is there, is there any business, right? If, let's say, okay, air is no longer breathable, right? Guess what? Human beings gone, right? Where's business? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, okay, customers, you know, disappear, all right? And who are you creating your product or service for? And who's yeah. the other side of it? So it's recognizing that this is an interconnected, you know, ecosystem and that e ecosystems are best served if the whole system is optimized, if the whole system is healthy and vibrant and, and, and strong. So by creating value for all of the stakeholders, you're creating a healthier ecosystem which is more sustainable, which is more resilient to shocks. And ultimately, guess what? It's more productive, meaning that the investors actually win because it's more productive even on the financial plane but not by focusing on them, by focusing on the whole system. Mm. The paradox, John calls it the paradox of profits. Mm. So the, the, you want to say anything to that, that one before I? No, that's <laughs> incredible. I want to say a lot, but I want to hear what, where you're going with this, so I'll let you keep on. All right, so the next one then is, is conscious uh, leadership. And conscious lead one of the things that we recognize in Conscious Capitalism, Inc., is that without... The, not only the buy-in, but the real ownership of this approach at the top, you know, the CEO, the founder, you know, whoever's leading an organization. And in some cases, we're, we're starting to look into directors, you know, boards of directors, because they too really, you know, play a key role, especially in public companies. But without the ownership at the, at the core or the top, however you want to look at it, it, it this doesn't happen because it, it leaders – you know, there is a function in, in social or, organisms, you know, wolves, monkeys, you know, mammals in general uh, that have groups, you know, that are group-oriented, that leaders play a role. It's just an evolved, what a biological evolutionary function. And in human beings, leaders play a role. In the context of businesses and other organizations, leaders play a role. They do set the tone, the vision, the direction, the, the culture. So it, it takes leaders who get this and who recognize that at the core of their role is service, right? Called servant leadership. is service to the whole, is service to the purpose. Not, not denying themselves, you know, not, not you know, uh, putting, you know, putting themselves last. Again, taking care of yourself, putting yourself first, but not first above others, first 
with others. So it's about me and we. It's not just about me, and it's not just about everyone else. It's about a healthy re- relationship. To it's it's us. It's all of us, right? So that that's a that's essential, and and that a leaders recognize that while they might be the, at the core, or again at the top, depends how you want to look at it. I look at it more at the core, in terms of setting the tone and the activating the organization and you know, continuing to pioneer the, the path, uh, that leadership is a distributed function. That while they may be, you know, prime leader in some way, that you want leadership distributed throughout the organization and really want to cultivate that capacity in everyone throughout your system. Mm-hmm. And that then leads to conscious culture. Conscious culture is one that recognizes that the way that you fulfill purpose the way that you create value for stakeholders and create a really healthy ecosystem, thus business, you know, is by cultivating the human beings in the system and starting with your own team, but also with your vendors and your customers and, you know, communities, uh, is supporting human beings to be their most and their best and to treat them with love and care and to foster a culture of love and care where, you know, there's trust, there's openness. So that's, that's, the, that's the approach. And recognize that you know, this is not Shangri-La. I mean, we're talking about human beings, and we're talking about groups of human beings. We have you know, billion years of, a couple billion years of evolution and a couple hundred thousand specifically as homo sapiens. And there's all kinds of you know, baggage and consequences of you know, our individual and collective development. We have things that work and we have things that don't work. So there's no perfection, but there's, there is, we'll call it a, a, a conscious process, one that recognizes, hey, look, you know, we're not, we're not going to be perfect to, to some idealized, you know, vision of what, what, it, what it should be, but we're going to be, but we're going to be aware of, our, of our, the effects we have on each other and ourselves and, and on the greater you know, context, whether it's the environment or society, and that we're going to envision and aspire to constant improvement, right? being better at supporting life, enhancing life, increasing our chances for survival and propagation and flourishing. That's what we aspire to. And that's what we pay attention to. We're not just counting money. We're... we're we're looking at the other impacts and the other kinds of wealth that we're generating, social wealth, and intellectual wealth, um, you know, knowledge, wisdom, you know, et cetera. So that, that's, that's the short story. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great overview for people who aren't uh, really immersed or don't know much about conscious capitalism. And one of the things that really – really sits well with me is the idea that business doesn't need to be just as about how much money can we make regardless of what impact that has, regardless of what negative impact that may have on the world. And that really um, business can be used as a vehicle um, to drive a larger purpose. In other words, we could use business to live our values, things that we care about. And another one of the really 
kind of counterintuitive paradoxes that I've found in my life is the more I can focus on helping something larger than myself, serving something larger than myself, the more that I get served. And it's so strange how that works. Um, this conference is a great example that with this conference we set out to, um, I mean, it started, I was talking to Brian. I met Brian after immersing myself in his wisdom for a year and a half or two years. I, I finally met him in LA and we were having a conversation and I was explaining how yeah, I'm really excited because I've, I've uh, dove into some sociological kind of academic work about what's happening with, with our culture right now. And I just feel like that's a, a way that I can serve uh, better in the coaching and the life coaching that I do. And, you know, we're engaged in this conversation and one thing leads to another. And Brian is talking about, you know, putting on these conferences and you got to understand I'm the biggest fan of Brian in the world, right? So I'm sitting there like, you know, we're, we're peers, but Brian is my mentor. You know, he's the guy who I look up to and he's like, dude, do you want to do a conference on that? And I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really understanding what he's saying. You know, I'm looking up to Brian and I'm, I'm just not getting that where, you know, he wants to play together, not teach me something or, or that that could be the, you know, one in the same. And, uh, and so then he said, who do you want to meet? You know, who do you want to be introduced to? You name them. If I know them, I'll set you up. You can interview them. And, you know, I'm like scared shitless. I'm like, you know, I'm trembling in my head. I'm still not getting it that this is the opportunity that's presented with myself, but I'm, I'm so excited. Um, so this was actually almost exactly one year ago. And, uh, and I've, you know, it's been an incredible year. Um, but that to me, that's in, 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 and from this, you know, what will come, the relationships, the service that I'll be able to provide and, and kind of focusing on how can I really serve? How can I pay attention to who can I give to? Who can I help? Has you know, paradoxically just served me in ways I couldn't have possibly imagined. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of this, um, this experience, this, whether you call it karma or the law of reciprocity, um, you know, what, is that something that you've experienced in your life and why do you think that is? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm smiling, Jacob, you know, it's like, I, I don't, you know, it's, that's kind of like a, you know, a, a medium, you know, slow fastball over the center of the plate, right? <laughs> What's your experience? Well, you know, back to the paradox of profits, and you referred to this kind of as the paradox of purpose, right? The, undoubtedly, you know, again, in my experience and in my experience of others who, you know, built, you know, major organizations and, you know, wisdom teachers, this is kind of, it seems to be a, a, a law of nature, at least a law of, you know, human existence in that when you, you know, when you serve others, and again, not serving from a self-deprecating, right? Not serving out of, uh, you know, giving yourself up, you know, throwing yourself in front of a train, right? Necessarily mm. it's like, oh, woe is me, I'm, you know, I'm not martyrdom, Right? not martyrdom, but genuine service is like, ah, you know, I, I, I care about you in, in this moment, and I care to support you, and I care to, you know, take care, you know, create value for you, whatever it is, that somehow or other, that just works, right? It, it, it just yeah. works. And my, my, mind you, if you're, and again, this has to do with the self-deprecating piece, if you're giving and giving and giving to people who are unhealthy, right, who are taking and taking and taking, and 
you know, you, 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 it may not come back so quickly, right? You can get into code. And I'm, I'm taking a moment on this because this is a really subtle and significant area that you're speaking to here. Please is do. The, 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 that fine line of, oh, yes, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving, and yeah, you're being abused and abused and abused, and you're being taken advantage of. It's like part of awareness is really re is recognizing what is going on with you and for you, what are the consequences of your thoughts and actions on yourself, and what are the uh, effects that you're having on others, and what are the effects that others are having on you, and, re and really paying attention to it, right? And, and noting signs in your emotions, signs in your physical body, tuning in to what's going on, using your body as an instrument, like a thermometer, right, to test it and go, you know what, something doesn't feel right here. And I'm being of service and I'm, you know, giving and this is supposed to, you know, there's a, there's a paradox here and I'm going to get served. Well, yeah, unless what you're in is actually an unhealthy process or an unhealthy relationship. And, you know, pay attention. Don't think that, you know, running in front of a train is a life-supporting act, right? So yeah. I, I just want to call attention to that, but this, but but again, coming back around, you can. I, I, not only can you, I think you have to live your values. And one of the things, and I, I, this is to be, you know, we'll see, right? The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding is still setting. But if you look <laughs> at if you look at companies like you know Southwest Airlines or Whole Foods or the Container Store or uh, Patagonia or REI or Gore uh, and Company or you know Method Products and I could you know I could name I could go on for a long time naming companies. A Motley Fool, Life is Good. You look at these companies and these are companies whose founders, leaders think this way and live this way and do business this way. And you look at how these companies do relative to their industries, relative to you know the standard S and P 500 in terms of performance, of employee engagement, customer engagement, financial performance, they kick ass, right? <laughs> they kick ass. Now, mind you, this is, you know, 5, 10, 15 years of data. It's not definitive, right? But if you just use, if you look at the data and if you feel what it feels like to, you know, be with these companies, if you talk to people, it's like, yeah, I just feel good when I do business with them. Right? Or I feel good when I go to their store. And, you know, I, there's, you know, common sense goes, you know what, this works, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and ultimately, I mean, here's where I was going with this. Ultimately, you know, I believe, and I'd say we in Conscious Capitalism, Inc. believe that this is going to be the only way that business is done at some point, right? At whether that, is, that is powerful. Well, it, it might be 20 years. It might be 50 years. Who knows? But human beings as a species, if you look back over 200,000 years, right, we have evolved and developed biologically and culturally, right? And we continue to evolve. I mean, 150 years ago, you know, there were slaves in here, right? Or less than 150 years ago. You know, 300 years ago, we were burning women at the stake as witches, right? And on and on. You know, we just, we, we you know, we expand our, our understanding and awareness. We become more sophisticated and while we look at and we see, and I want to come back to your point about you know the news and the mass media, you know, telling you this story that you're not good enough, and 
you know, all this, you know, propaganda and and even propaganda saying business is bad. You know, if we if we really look at it, a couple hundred thousand years ago, even you know, less than that, one out of every three male human beings died at the hand of another male human being. Right? They were brutal. Right? They were brutal. The percentage of people that die from violent deaths now is infinitesimal, right, compared to what it was. And just in general, it's infinitesimal relative to the number of human beings. The, the fact that we have 7 billion human beings, and yes, there's wars and battles here and gangs and all that, but as a percentage of the overall population, it's, it, it's, it's so much less than it ever was, and it continues to get less and less and less and less. And the fact that we have 7 billion people living essentially peacefully coexisting on the planet is extraordinary, right? And one of the reasons that we have that is because we continue to evolve and develop and recognize that, hey, you know what? The foundation for all of us flourishing and surviving is actually cooperation. So this, this is, you know, conscious capitalism is a reflection of a deeper evolution of human society and culture as well as individual capacity for conscious awareness to recognize what's going on with ourselves, what's going on in our relationships with others, what's going on with our collective relationship to the ecosystems that support us. And we can go, hey, you know what? You dump poison in the river and then you drink the water. <laughs> it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> so this whole, we, are, we're in an, we are in an ongoing you know, developmental process individually and collectively in our lifetime as well as an evolutionary process in terms of how we orient as you know, societies and cultures. And this is the way things, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say this is one of the ways that things are evolving and emerging. And th this, I, I, this will become, you know, the, the, the norm at some point. Um, and, and before, I want to just before I forget, I want to come back to your comment, your earlier comment that started off this this exploration of conscious capitalism, which was, you know, you you're saying how the systems and bureaucracy and corporations are you know, kind of heavy and doing all kinds of yep. nasty stuff, and that the mass media is, you know, you know, telling us that we're inadequate. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, and I've been doing for pretty much most of the last thirty some years. And I think many of the people that I work with, not all of them, do as well. Is I, I don't pay any attention to it. I, I don't. I don't wa watch the news. I don't focus on that stuff at all. Because you know what? It, it, what? What good does it do? You know, I can hold a banner. You know, I can protest and go, "This is evil." It's like, okay, and that's going to lead to what? Um, yeah. Or I can put my energy and attention on my, you know, what I'm doing, on what I'm doing with others on this emerging reality movement and finding ways to support it to get more juice and engage more people in it because as more people engage in it, it becomes more alive and real and more substantial. And before you know it, the old paper tiger is going to fall over. And it, it, it's not going to take, you know, knocking down the Berlin Wall. It's just there's going to be a whole new system with people thinking a whole different and acting a whole different way and all the energy is just going to shift from there to here. That, that, that's the way I view it. And I might be naive, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine to accept that I might be naive, and it might end up, you know, taking revolution, but I, I doubt it, actually. I would love to go into the question of, 
so people are listening to this chat and they are, you know, they're, they're taking it in, they're soaking it in. There's some aha moments. There's some revelations. There's, you know, options that exist that they didn't know existed. And perhaps they just, you know, a lot of us don't have the, the tools or this experience or the skill set to figure out, okay, there's this really cool information out there, but how do I start to integrate it in my life? So one of the big questions that I would be asking myself if I was listening to this a couple of years ago, and maybe still today, is, okay, cool, there's a, a conscious capitalism movement. There's people who think along these lines. What, how can I find a company? How can I find a group of people um, who you know, who embraced this philosophy that I could go work for or that I could, you know, make money with or, or join their cause or their purpose. How do you think young adults can go about starting to look for companies that, uh, that embrace this philosophy or finding careers and, um, and jobs that support this line of thinking? Well, that's a great question. And I'll add, I'll, I'll add one piece to, to your question. Maybe part of the answer is, you know, one thing they can do is create their own, right? Or get together yes. with others and create create something. So it's not only just going and finding somewhere, you know, to work. Um, you know, there's also, you know, criticized by creating. <laughs> it's like you want to change the world? Okay, <laughs> go for it, dude. Um, so th th that's just another option. So I'm going to kind of go slowly into an answer to this. And the, f the first thing I'm going to say is, you know, that I, I think I sent you a copy of my last book which I just finished called It's Just Good Business, The Emergence of Conscious Capitalism and the Practice of Working for Good. I actually wrote, I designed and wrote this book for you know you and your audience. It's it's 116 pages, lots of images. It can you can read it in forty minutes. And it's meant to deepen the orientation to the space as well as to start to cultivate some practices and point to some resources. And so now I'll, I'll point to some resources. Uh, one is ConsciousCapitalism.org, uh, the website which will be up and running as a robust social community. Because right? finding and connecting with others is a really key part of finding your way right, in all of this. Uh, there's another community uh, I'm involved with called Being Human, and people may want to check out BeingHuman.org, the extent to which they're interested in some of these deeper questions about why we do what we do, how, why we experience life the way we do, etc. Um, my website is workingforgood.com, and people can connect with you know me and, and resources that I'm, you know, that I work with, including also the Entheos courses, the practice of working for good. I'm going to do another uh, six. I'm going to do a six-week uh, practice course, and I'll do a couple of them during the year. And uh, there's an organization called Net Impact that is specifically Supporting young people to find, you know, to connect with organizations. At, you know, exactly what you're saying is how how do I find an organization or a company that shares my values and that uh, and purpose and uh, you know functions in this way. Um, there's another uh, nonprofit called Echoing Green, um, which has a nice uh, purpose kind of workshop, a book and workshop on supporting people to kind of tune in to what their purpose is. So there's a bunch of resources uh, that, that people can draw on to, to help them move along the journey. Um, there's no, you know, one path. There's no, here it is, this is the key. Because everyone's going to have their own journey. I mean, in finding the right, you know, the, the company or the organization or the people, 
that you're going to work with. You know, you might have several attempts, and you know, they might last for a year or two, and you know, on to the next. But you don't know what the journey is going to be. Uh, putting it out there is the first thing. You know, recognizing uh, that this is where you're drawn, and focusing on you know what it is that turns you on, where your passion is, what your purpose is, what your requirements are, right? What you'll accept and won't accept. You know what? I won't accept a company that treats people like this, for instance. Mm. Then you don't even yeah. go. Then you don't even go there. Or I'm only going to work with a company that treats people like this. You know. You know, set some parameters and principles and, and stick to them because the, the clearer you are, the, first of all, the, the better, the more discerning you're going to be when you, when you actually see something. Okay, I'm really clear. And then you're going to look at those things and you're going to look for those things and you're going to know whether they're there or not. Um, the other thing, though, too, is not to be, uh, that's the word, not, not to be too narrow and limited in your perspective. Like, you know, it's got to be, you know, they got to hit all ten of these check marks. Open up and recognize that again, everything is in process. You know, nothing is per everything is perfect as it is in some respect, and nothing is perfect in some idealized way. But recognize the whole. It's like, okay, overall, again, okay, that that's kind of a little weak there. You know, this person or or this organization, and you know, but ask the question, okay. But what is their relationship to that thing that they're weak in? Are they aware that they're weak in it? Are they aspiring to and working to develop that area? You know, one example, this is a just beautiful one, Patagonia. On their website, they have something called the Footprint Chronicles, where they map out their supply chain. And they show their environmental impact, their social impact. They show the things that they're doing or have done to elevate their functioning. and they point to the places where they are not as strong as they'd like to be. It's like, you know what? We still have an adverse impact on, ecosystem, on natural ecosystems through this. We know it. It's not ideal. It's not even good enough for us. But we're having a really hard time you know, elevating our functioning there. It's not easy. Just know that we know it and we're working on it. Right? So you know, that, that's a you know, really incredible and extreme example of a, of a company that's really aware and really dedicated to its impact on you know, ecosystems or the environment. Um, so recognize that, okay, it may not be perfect, but are they willing to recognize it and talk about it and pay attention to it? So uh, is, that help, is that helpful, Jacob? Yeah, incredibly helpful. I mean, uh, people listening have a ton of places they can go right now. I know you listed about, listed about four. Um, where they can engage with just more of this line of work and this line of thinking and start to um, immerse themselves in communities that care about these things. So, um, Jeff, it's, it's been an incredible chat. I'm thrilled where we are leaving it right now, and if there's anything else you want to add, happy to uh, provide that space. But if not, it's been awesome, dude. Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, likewise, awesome, dude, totally. And uh, really appreciate who you are, how you're showing up, and how you're holding a space for this conversation for for yourself and for your peers and colleagues. And the other thing I want to say, just want to say, you know, awesome to all of you who are listening. The fact that you're tuning into this is a reflection of who you are, and that you really do care, and that you're aspiring. 
really become the change that you want to see in the world? And one thing I, I, I came up for me as I was working on the last book was, in a, and to this point of work, it's like if you want to be the change, you got to do the work. <laughs> so, and recognize that the work begins with yourself. It begins with cultivating your awareness. It begins with taking care of yourself. It, be, it begins with embodying that awareness. And then it continues by how you bring that into relationship with others. And, you know, you know deep bow to all of you and uh, look forward to crossing paths again along the journey here. I have a huge smile on my face. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, Jacob, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you. I'm really I'm so happy that you invited me and that you're doing this. Let's take a look at some of my favorite big ideas from this interview. Big idea number one, your best business asset is yourself. The most important thing you can do in business is to take care of yourself. Eat well, exercise, drink water, breathe air, get out in nature and play. If you don't take care of yourself and develop a firm foundation, then one, you're going to crash, and two, you just really can't take care of others. Big idea number two, capitalism equals human cooperation. Capitalism is the most successful form of human cooperation ever created. That's a pretty big idea. At the root of capitalism is humans working together to provide ourselves with the things that we need and want in order to propagate and flourish. Now, Jeff mentioned an awesome video called iPencil, and you can check that out by going over to sensify.com slash iPencil. That's www.sensophy.com slash iPencil. Big idea number three. What is work to you? So work doesn't have to be this monotonous, laborious task. Work can be your spiritual path. It can be a force for good. It can be love. It can be an expression of your life force and your creativity. It can be the way that you live your values, that you live your passion, and that you express your purpose. It's a way to engage with the world. Now, the four principles of conscious business are, one, higher purpose. The business has to have a higher purpose beyond just making money. Remember the red blood cell analogy. We need red blood cells to live, but red blood cells aren't the purpose of our life. Same thing with money. We need money in our business, but money isn't the purpose of our business. Number two, stakeholder orientation. The business strives to serve everyone that it comes in contact with, from its employees, to its customers, to its partners, to its investors, to the community. Number three, conscious leadership. The core of the leader's role is service. And number four, conscious culture. A system of values that are in alignment with the purpose and empowers the individuals in the culture. Now, as Jeff said, not only can you live your values, you must live your values. The foundation for us flourishing is cooperation, and conscious business is the highest form of cooperation. Now, Jeff's been cool enough to hook everybody up with a free copy of his new book, It's Just Good Business. So head on over to sensify.com slash IJGB, as in It's Just Good Business, and pick up a free copy of Jeff's digital book. So it's www.sensophy.com forward slash IJGB, as in it's just good business.
Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, and we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.